Aha, uh-huh. I played uh, Liam's intro, uh, rounding the news, apparently, instead of the uh, the usual rounding the earth uh, intro graphic. But, uh, well, hey, everybody. <laughs> um, this is Rounding the Earth. I'm Matthew Crawford. And I've decided that uh, some, some days I'm going to come on here and I'm going to talk about pandemic statistics. And part of the reason why is um, I, I see so much, I, I see almost nobody getting statistics right still. Uh, and this is every side of almost every narrative. And it, it's frustrating because I wind up um, stopping doing what I'm doing and never publishing graphs. Like I see people like put out these these graphs and and um, and they make claims about what's going on. And uh, on one side, of, one side of the narrative, I feel like it's 99% wrong. On the other side of the narrative, I feel like it's 95% wrong. And there's no way for me to keep up with it. Not only that, but people... Um, people refuse to even discuss with me and talk about it. And I'm going to start calling some of those people out because on both sides, it's so dangerous. It is just so dangerous. Um, you know, I created this thing uh, a few weeks ago that I called the Gorski Challenge. And I'm just going to call it the, the RTE Gorski Challenge. Where, you know, and this is, I think, going all the way back to, this might have even been 2020. I think in 2020, I was on Twitter debating with Gorski and, um, and he was, and he was uh, kind of doing his thing where he was talking down to me, you know, somebody, somebody he doesn't know, he just assumes that he's going to be, you know, superior to smarter than in every way. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I'm, I'm debating with him about hydroxychloroquine evidence. And he says, uh, and he basically says he's read all the papers in the time I had. I mean, I, I was, you know, on Facebook, there was a, a group where every, every single paper that would come out, I, you know, just about, I would, I would walk through what the paper said, you know, I knew which ones uh, used reactive placebos. I knew which I knew the doses from each trial. I knew which ones had, you know, uh, were early treatment and which ones had, uh, you know, the patients were patients were dosed, you know, seven to nine days after starting to get sick. So I said, so, you know, I can ask you three questions and, and you'll, you know, you'll be able to answer which papers. And I started asking questions like, you know, which, uh, you know, which studies used, uh, potentially reactive placebos or, you know, which studies, uh, uh, did not stay within a certain amount of the, um, of the pharmacovigil, uh, the pharmacokinetic, um, the pharmacokinetic, uh, uh, suggestions that the WHO posted on its own website, right. Which includes, which includes the fact the WHO trial, like went way beyond, uh, what those papers suggested, um, but, and, and of course he, he just, he stopped talking to me then at some point he just, um, he just blocked me, but it, it's clear that he is either, you know, dishonest or incapable of understanding statistics. So, you know, I want to, you know, I want, I want to keep inviting people on until we see the Dan Wilsons of the world, uh, who are willing to actually walk up to the moment where math begins and, you know, do, can they succeed? Do they fail? Will they be humble enough? interesting to me, the most humble person that I've sort of, you know, challenged to come on the show because we had different views and, and it was a very, you know, good conversation, productive, polite. Um, I would, you know, like he's somebody I, I could, you know, may, maybe we'd be friends, right? <laughs> like, like uh, he's somebody I could discuss ideas with. He, he uh, did not carry this giant ego with him. And so Stuart Buck and I, you know, wound up having much better conversation than I've had with, uh, with a lot of people. And so, you know, I want to, uh, that, that leads up to where I'm going today, which is um, Dr. Schultz, 
Um, and, and I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, it looks like Seholt. <laughs> He's the MedCram guy, right? Um, yeah, he was on Twitter and he was showing data um, from the Texas uh, Health and Human Services, Texas Department of Health Services. And uh, it was suggestive that the vaccines, that people who are vaccinated, unvaccinated are like 13, 14 times more likely to test positive or to die from, from COVID-19. And uh, I invited him on Rounding the Earth. And I will share, let's see, um, he dodged. And, 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 and I think he, he believes he has like a reason to be dodging, but, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of talk about that as we go. And I'm going to apologize right here. I am kind of rushing to click buttons and get ready. And the reason is, for whatever reason, everything, every Microsoft product stopped functioning at once on my computer. And uh, there was a little button that said that I needed to, like, you know, put in some sort of password. And so I had to go, you know, running around figuring out, you know, it, it's actually my wife's laboratory through which the software runs. And so I had to go, you know, figuring out why, why can't I click a button anymore. And that took about a third of my, my morning's preparation time away from me. But I think I've got a pretty good, pretty good slideshow prepared here regardless. And I'm going to show why it is that uh, Dr. Schultz and I uh, disagree. And, and it, it's more than disagreement. Um, it, it's actually, it's, it's sort of weird and it's, it's, it's weird and it's disappointing to be honest. But let's see here. I'm just going to show show my whole screen over there on the left. Here we go. Now let's do it this way. No, let's not do it that way. Wait, that's not the screen I want to show, is it? There we go. That one's bigger and better and better and all that stuff. Cinema layout shift F8. Should I do that? I'm going to try shift eight. Oh, uh, won't do that. Won't do that. Oh, that's just for me. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Well, let's talk about this. Um, I and I'll go ahead and say this. I I. I Dr. Schultz is, he's one of the really frustrating um, doctors for me because I've watched so many of his videos and so many of them have been so good in, in terms of being uh, educational. Um, yeah, in, in, in terms of, um, yeah, so many of them are so, are so good, right? And yet he, he's one of those people that when I've seen him sort of, you know, cross over into statistics, I've seen him make... Um, errors casually that are so catastrophic, right? That you may make, you know, he, he may be so smart that he makes a very high percentage of correct decisions. And, but, but like, I worry that he's one of those people where his, his overconfidence when he's wrong may lead him to hurt more people than all of those other moments help. That's how disastrous it feels when I watch him because he is so overconfident. 
And we're gonna we're gonna walk through an example of that right here. The other day, uh, I, you know, I was on Twitter. Actually, somebody forwarded this to me. Somebody, you know, kind of showed me that uh, that he was on Twitter and he was talking about the vaccines and the Texas data. And here he is with Texas data that makes it. Well, well let's see. Last twenty eight days, unvaxxed are thirteen more uh, thirteen times more likely to test positive for COVID nineteen and fourteen times more likely to die of COVID nineteen than unvaxxed. And, um, and, you know, I, first of all, there, there's no way in the world this is true. It's never been true in Texas. Um, I've, I've been following the, the, the Texas stats. There's something going, going on with the data here. And we'll figure out what that is. But it's, it's interesting that he doesn't stop and question it. This is exactly like um, what happened with uh, the whistleblowers and the DMED data and Thomas Rents. Um, before the the Senator Johnson hearing, which is that the numbers look so um, so extreme that not stopping to check and understand them um, led to moving forward when you know when just a simple review would have found mistakes and would have you know led someone to stop and go okay uh, there's something there's something here I don't understand let's let's focus on understanding that before moving on. Um, you know, and, and I jumped in, you know, I, I, I let him know, look, you know, I'm a statistician, my wife, you know, she, she looks at this data a lot. Um, you know, she, she's an informatics instructor at a research university, right? <laughs> um, and, and his response, and, and I've seen him the way that he, that he speaks on Twitter, the way that I've seen him speak a little bit, and I've even seen a little bit of him in private. Um, but it, it, it he, he, talks down to people. He sort of, it's not even just like a challenge. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm all ears. Like, I know that you're not coming with anything that's, that's going to change my mind. It's sort of, is sort of the tone that I get from him. And that was sort of the tone that I got in the email as well. Whereas we're talking about conditional statistics, right? Conditional statistics is, you know, it, it is the thing that is the largest barrier to correct math probably out of anything in the world, like the formula for conditional statistics or, you know, Bayes' theorem. Like um, if you look at all of the mistakes that happen in the world where experts disagree, let, let's qualify it that way. Um, the, you know, conditional statistics, Bayesian statistics are probably involved in uh, the substantial majority of them would be my guess until you are getting to like, you know, like really, like weird, uh, like fine interpretations of things like particle physics, you know, um, it, uh, if you're not debating the standard model, you know, you can probably point toward uh, conditional invasion statistics. We're like, and everybody needs to be informed of that. If they're doing something, every doctor especially needs to be informed of that because um, they need to know when they may be overconfident right? Like the, the difference in degree, it's kind of like you're looking at a sheet of paper and you see, and you see columns of outputs and you're used to thinking, I understand what all these columns of outputs mean. That's kind of like, that's kind of like, um, you're, you're running hurdles and you don't realize the next hurdle is an actual skyscraper. That's the difference, but they, for whatever reason, they look the same on paper and that's what's going on. And it, this is one of those things where um, understanding and interpretations are 
so challenging that you get professionals who disagree. There's an even worse piece to all of this than that, which is that within statistics, there are these two groups. There's the uh, well, maybe I, maybe I should I should go to the largest Venn circle. You've got your mathematicians, and within mathematicians, you've got your statisticians. Within your statisticians, you have your biostatisticians. And it's the biostatisticians that the doctors take all their cues from. The problem is biostatistics is one of the most corrupt fields ever created. And all of the other statisticians and mathematicians in these bigger circles for decades pointed to them and said, whoa, <laughs> we do not agree with this. We do not approve of this. This is all nonsense and it's going somewhere very dangerous. And it was only, you know, very recently in the last, um, you know, 20, 25 years that I think that, um, you know, the woke mind virus, the Malthusian mind virus, and uh, along with the sort of, you know, cultural, I don't know, um, self-promotion. I'm not even sure how to explain it, but, you know, the, the mathematicians, uh, the ones who are 60, 70, 80 years old right now, that are, are almost all going to agree with me instantly. Um the 90 year olds up. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, they've been sort of taken over, uh, over the years and, um, by, by people who have so much social pressure aimed at them and who have so little life experience outside of the halls of academia that they, they just can't challenge the social pressure plus the woke ideology. So, um, no longer will there be anyone to challenge the biostatisticians or there hasn't been for a while, but it's all nonsense. It's, it's just nonsense. And, you know, if any, any of these doctors who want to come, you know, come on rounding the earth and we'll walk through some math problems together, right? <laughs> I mean, I literally have hundreds and hundreds that I've given to students over the years where we could, where we could see what happens and where. Um, what's going on here? Same slide because Microsoft died on me in the middle of doing this. I'm not going to have as many slides as I needed to. I apologize about that. But um, here, here's an example of why it is that that Roger should stop and, and think a little bit longer. What he says is, I'm all ears. Perhaps it will explain this as well. And he shows the Utah dashboard. But the thing is, when you open up the Utah dashboard, the data there doesn't look anything like the Texas data. And this is a point at which you should stop and go, why? You know, why would the Texas data show, you know, these wildly huge factors like 13x and 14x, whereas you would have, you know, 1.4 and 2 and 2.1, you know, we, what, what's going on here, you know, with, with these factors being so different. Over at the desk, you get 10.2 if you go all the way from unvaccinated to boosted. But of course, that's still like, you know, you'd have to combine those last two to get this. And... And given how much the boosted, like you can see this sort of, you know, given how much, I, this is almost nonsensical that, that they're, that the boosted are that much less likely than the fully vaccinated to die. Like if you've, if you've watched any of the data, if you've read any of the papers, you should stop right there and go, whoa, I just, I don't believe that. Don't believe that at all. Boosted for what? Well, it wasn't for Omicron, right? Like nearly all those booster doses had nothing to do with Omicron. So, you know, like, like what, what are we actually talking about? Why, why would it make a difference? Um, in, in unless you believe this weird mythology of, you know, we're making the antibodies go up and down in your body and antibodies are going to stop this thing at the mucosal barrier. What? 
like there's this weird mechanistic mythology there. Uh, JJ Cooey calls it immunomythology. I love that word. Um, anyway, let's, let's kind of go on here. Let's let's see the mathematical mythology unfold here. Somebody jumps in on the same web page. Looks like for the past year, there's no difference in the outcome for unvaccinated versus boosted ages 18 to 50. And he doesn't say, well, wait a minute. I can't see how this data likely fits together as accurate, you know, like 13x one place and, you know, nothing or negative differential in other places. And he's just, well, uh, likely because some of the immunity of the unvaccinated from previous infections, blah, blah, blah. Well, well, why didn't that affect your 2022 data? Like his data is actually further along, right? The data that he posted, that's March, 2022 through December, 2022, or through through November, actually, 2022. Um, so this is, this is actually kind of nonsense that he's saying this. Right. It, it, you know, this is data prior and he's saying, well, it's likely because there was some more immunity that, that went in. Um, he's showing no, he's showing no, like, you know, playful inquisitiveness about this. Right. This is not a person that you want, um, you know, being your team leader when solving a math puzzle. <laughs> um, and yeah, he, he's just looking for excuses as to why some of the data on the website wouldn't conform without looking for a reason why it would be so far different, right? And what he, and he doesn't even consider, like when you see his, his chart starting at the beginning of May or at the end of February of 2022, he doesn't even say, he, he doesn't even like step away and go, is this the whole time period for which Omicron came through? And it's not, in fact, most of Omicron came through before that point. And there's a lot of research papers that say Omicron actually infected the vaccinated more than the, than the unvaccinated. And the fact that there are some contradictory data sources on this should make us stop and, and take pause because one of, one of the, the, you know, one of the things that we should be figuring out is whether or not the vaccines confound the tests right? This is, this is ordinarily something that this is a procedure that holds up. It's part of the reason why vaccine trials take over 10 years is because that question right there must be answered. It must be answered before you can compute uh, efficacy. You know, this idea that we can compute efficacy without knowing whether your sensitivity and specificity are the same in both arms of the trial is total nonsense. Of course, it's total nonsense. If your test doesn't, you know, if you haven't figured out whether or not your test will perform the same in both arms, every result is, is nonsense. And it's not like we don't have a history. We do have a history of proxy tests. And remember, we're not testing for symptoms, right? We, we've started to insert these proxy tests, you know, like PCR into the process. And if we're using a proxy test, then we really need to validate that proxy test on both arms equally to know what we're doing moving forward hasn't been done. Um, I think that's very suspicious. But yeah, and this is this is why like, you know, Roger, uh, Roger emailed me and by the I because Microsoft sort of died this morning, I don't think I, I got to show the email I'll kind of kind of backtrack here. Let's see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find that email. Actually, he emailed me. And I thought maybe maybe we would get to the point of a conversation. Right. Um, but I'll show this. Let's see. Uh, it, it, all he says is, hi, please go ahead, Roger. 
And I email back. I say, Roger, thank you for contacting me. Uh, I get the feeling uh, that you want for me to write all of this out, but that would be something like the equivalent of typing up the conditional statistics chapter of a textbook, something I've done, and it's pretty time consuming and would be mastered by almost zero readers outside of a guided classroom. Conditional statistics is the most often misunderstood piece of mathematics in the sense that people thinking that they understand it when they don't, even professionals or billion dollar account quant traders I've worked with, and it is truly best drawn out in careful conversation. And I'll give an example here. You know, I, I just said, you know, even people who are, you know, running billion dollar Wall Street financial accounts, uh, Ed Dowd and and his partner, whoever, you know, I can't remember that guy's name, but um, when they presented the Society of Actuaries data, right, they didn't notice the blaring, um, you know, for, for people who are well-trained with conditional statistics, I consider it just sort of screaming. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually gonna bring this up because I want people to see this again if they, if they have, or if they, if you haven't seen this, you should see this because the Society of Actuaries either missed it, accidentally or intentionally. So, okay, this is gonna be Article Fifty Three. Apologies for taking up some time here, but this is well worth it. Okay. Yeah, this was uh, Society of Actuaries data. And Society of Actuaries, in this video that they that they created, they actually said you can see that the vaccines are, are having an effect because you can see that by state, the more they're vaccinated, the lower mortality they have except that this is a like if you look at the the dots right like all 50 of these dots rec, uh, represent all the states but these are dots by region look at one dot look at just the light blue the midwest for a moment do you see the same downward trend okay look at just the green for a moment look at just the red look at just the black do you see the same downward trend and the answer is you don't and you know i i drew the data out um you know, region by region, and looked at the trend lines there and found, here it is, the one on the bottom right. Uh, I, wish I, I wish I could blow that up much bigger. Um, I should have put that in the slideshow. But the one on the bottom right, you can see the, the dotted, the dashed line. That's that line that the Society of Actuaries drew, whereas if you go color by color, meaning region by region, you see a very, very different trend line. Right. This is because conditional statistics is hard that the Society of Actuaries might miss this. And you know what? Ed Dowd and his buddy apparently missed this. So this is where you have to stop and go, huh, this is like surgery. And it is. If you haven't spent 10 years uh, looking at Simpson's paradoxes and finding um, you know, all of these flaws in other people's work, uh, if it hasn't been your job, if you haven't had you know, large amounts of money on the line, if you were wrong, um, then you are probably, you're, you know, you're probably just, you, you should look for a professional, right? I mean, this literally is like going, hey, I can handle brain surgery without consulting with the brain surgeon. But Roger doesn't know that because he is, he's used to never having been challenged with a, with a math problem that would be something that not all of the doctors can answer. That's the way the medical school statistics training works, right? 
They don't put anything in front of you that they don't assume that every single person who got into med school can handle. And there's just not enough time for teaching the critical thinking involved in understanding, you know, what does one of these charts mean versus another? Why would it be that one of them would look so different than another? And, and there are multiple answers to that, right? Like what, like here I show where he's got, um, you know, the, the upper left is where he showed a chart, but notice that it begins in late March, whereas it skips past all this Omicron. He's not even considering the possibility that the entire efficacy size is due to um, is is due to cherry picking the the time interval, right? Because most of the Omicron happened in January, period. And if we apportioned all of that out, would there even be a difference between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated? Or, you know, is the prior immunity of the of the unvaccinated uh, changing the game? Really, really. You can get to both answers by just looking at the answer for cumulative total. He's also not drilling down and checking to see if the definitions change from page to page on the Texas website. And the answer is they do. And what do I mean by that? Well, what is considered unvaccinated on one page is literally not the same as on another. And so the like he didn't check that. And he's literally having conversations with people who are asking, why doesn't this page look, you know, tell the same story as the page you were looking at? If you don't know well enough to look up the data definitions, you should not be confident in your understanding of the statistics at all. And this was a um, similar problem that uh, Teresa uh, Long made handling some of the data. She did not know some of the data definitions and made incorrect statements about the data. And, uh, and, and she and people that she had talked to seem unwilling to <laughs> you know, alter what they were saying about the data since. So, um, and again, I, I could have made all of this a little bit more clear this morning had Microsoft not decided to nuke the world uh, in terms of in terms of uh, you know, whether or not I could even use their products. Um, but let, let's take a look at uh, something something else. And this is important. And I actually wrote to Roger and I said, there's this thing called the healthy user bias, sometimes called the healthy vaccine bias. And it is known, but rarely talked about. And this is part of this whole conditional stats thing, right? Um, and I'll explain where it is. No matter how well you divide out populations, it's actually very, very difficult to statistically tell who is going to do better or worse in a health trial without something like, like a total life history or family history. You could have, for instance, two people in a medical study who are both uh, let's see, males who are five foot 11, uh, 173 pounds. Um, neither of them has had a heart attack. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, you know, they have the same BMI basically. Uh, whatever the stats are that you would have for a medical trial, and they're, they're going to be a little different from trial to trial, right? But whatever that is, you could have them exactly the same and you could have one person in that trial have three times the risk of whatever you're measuring, cardiovascular damage or disease or risk of death over the next year. And in fact, that's what I'm showing on the page that, that I've got on the screen right now is that um, you can have you know, multiple, you know, one, one of these people could be from the ghetto, have stress all their life, have bullets flying around them you know, on a daily basis. You don't know who that is in, in a medical study. You also don't know whether or not Pfizer has been um, 
selecting people for trials on the basis of knowing their past history, because we now know, we now know that you can have many times, you know, the risk factors that you want, right? You know, um, look up here and in this, um, so this is from an article that I wrote how many months ago? This is back in April. So about nine months ago. Um, this is from the vaccine safety data link study. And this is vaccine safety data link is this is the system that the people who um, hate VAERS love to point to and go, well, we have good data. And the data says, you know, retrospectively that, that this works, but no, it does not. Um, hidden in this data is the healthy user bias, but the entire system screams healthy user bias. And I'll explain how. When you start to actually dig down into the risk charts, in the bottom right, you see different age groups, 12 to 17, 18 to 44, 45 to 64, and then risk of non-COVID death after dose one, dose two of Pfizer, Moderna. Risk of non-COVID death? Why would a COVID vaccine change your risk of non-COVID death? It doesn't. What this is showing is how skewed the risks are for people in the vaccinated arm versus the unvaccinated arm. And here, like you get, yet is you know as low as 0.28. That's um, as a ratio. That's 3.57. That's 3.57. You uh, people. <laughs> this is for non-COVID deaths. Do we think that the COVID vaccines are curing car accidents? Right. And, and you can go some of these, you know, age groups like 18 to 44, literally half of all deaths are physical, meaning homicide, suicide, accident. Right. All, you know, car accidents would take up the, the larger bulk of those. But, you know, you can't you can't take away those deaths with a vaccine. Right. So the fact that, that all of these ratios, all of these ratios let me go on for it. I'll highlight one so that you can see it. All of these ratios are under one half, right? What that's telling you is that you do not have the same risk factors after you've corrected for race, after you've corrected for age, after you've corrected for BMI, after you've corrected for all those things that you think do the trick, you still have massive bias left. And this is called the healthy user bias because what you're probably measuring is conscientiousness, right? And we can see this best because it tracks with college degrees. It tracks with college degrees. So you could call it the healthy user bias. You could call it the educated user bias. You could call it the wealthy user bias. Statistically, they all show up as the same. During the pandemic, especially, we, we have the uh, CDC's um, week by week statistics. And here's where we can see it. Here's where we can see 100% for sure Roger's wrong. And I don't know if he's going to understand fully why he's wrong. I, you know, it may take a few hours. I could give him some, you know, like step up problems, right? Where he can solve the problem and, and see. And, and, you know, and understand, I'm not trying to like blast Roger here. What I'm trying to do is wake people up to how bad the problem is. In fact, you know what? I should have brought up Marilyn Boss Sabat. Maryland boss, Savant. Uh, what was this called? It was called the um, Monty Hall problem. 
Okay. I'm going to read this article from, uh, from Wikipedia. The Monty Hall problem is a brain teaser in the form of a probability puzzle loosely based on the American television game show, Let's Make a Deal, and named after its original host, Monty Hall. The problem was originally posed and solved in a letter by Steve Selvin to the American statistician in 1975. It became famous as a question from reader Craig F. Whitaker's letter, quoted in Marilyn Voss Savant's Ask Marilyn column in Parade Magazine in 1990. I remember this as a kid. I actually read this. Um, suppose you're on a game show and you're given the choice of three doors. Behind one door is a car. Behind the other is goats. You pick a door, say number one, and the host, who knows what's behind the doors, opens another door, say number three, which has a goat. And then he says to you, do you want to pick door number two? Is it to your advantage to switch your choice? And the answer is yes, because you have more information. That's probably the better way to think of it. You have more information. Every, you know, every piece of information changes the probability problem, but most people don't have enough experience to know that or to you know, wrap that up in a principle. This is one of those problems, too, where even people who think that they understand this problem, if you rephrase the problem, uh, give them other versions of it, um, generally they don't. Right. And this is part of the reason why, like just me, like writing, I could write the entire textbook chapter that Roger wants me to into that email. Right. I could spend the next two weeks doing so. But the odds are, unless we have a back and forth conversation, he's not going to know how to judge when he gets it to the level that he would need to to apply it. And so, you know, it, it's, it's like thinking that you're ready for brain surgery when you've never actually opened up the, the skull and looked at the brain. Um, but he doesn't know that. So but here we are. This is uh, this is data from the CDC. Like this is irrefutable right here. I, I want you to see that. Um, oops, I've accidentally removed part of the legend. And I'll, I'll try to explain what that part of the legend is. Okay, um, let's, I'll, I'll just look at this one. I'll jump to this one. It's the um, moving average for median household income. And notice that we are correlating to COVID deaths by county. What's a stronger correlation? The, the more negative the correlation, the better, right? You want to be negative, negatively correlated to COVID deaths. You want to, you know, uh, you want to be in a county that has lower deaths, right? So do you want to be in a county that has more vaccines? Well, this would seem to say that there's a little bit of efficacy, right? You can see like the, the blue line or even the green line. Well, let's focus on the blue for a moment. The blue, the blue correlations are usually negative, not always, but usually negative, and that's you know vaccine completeness. I, I I think there's zero efficacy, but we'll get to that. A lot of people would look at this and go, "Well, there's some efficacy. It's only it's a matter of how much." Um, but no, we don't get that here. Um, then the green comes in. It pretty much tracks the blue, right? Which already this contradicts what we saw earlier in in the the Utah data, um, which is you know saying that you have much better efficacy if you have the booster. We don't see that here in the CDC's national overall data. You know, why, why not? What we do see is that the dark black data set, here's the moving average for correlation of median household income to COVID deaths. What we see is that uh, median household income is more predictive. It's more protective. It's more protective than a vaccination. 
is you know, making more money. Well, why is that? It is it is because that you are mostly sorting for um, a combination of people who have who you know eat better, who make better decisions, who have more to protect with those decisions, um, and conscientiousness. Right, the conscientiousness tie we see when we when we see that the uh, bachelor's degree. Like I, I could bring this chart up. Um, I don't have it. Um, I don't have all this up at the moment. Uh, oh wait, actually, actually I do. I'm just going to share this for a moment. This is one of my spreadsheets that. No, I'm not. Gonna, uh, it'll take me a while to to turn this from median household income into into education status. But understand that um, it it is it's basically all the same. Um, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're looking, you know, for the, for the vaccine status, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at, you know, one vaccine complete, uh, one dose, you know, vaccine complete, vaccine complete over 65 booster. It doesn't matter. The median household income is still a slightly more negative, meaning slightly better correlation. So, And we can talk all day about why that's true. At some point, it becomes a philosophical question. But notice, um, notice these these uh, downward arrows. What do I what do I think this is telling us? And this is part of the conversation. We can have different interpretations here, but I think that those arrows represent the three different. You know, they trail the three different moments of rolling out the vaccines. Suddenly, you have, you know, more negative correlation. You know, right after, I, I think that this is actually a matter of reporting delay. Um, this is like Norman Fitton's discussion of reporting delay. Um, the fact that it would change so much so quickly, right? And now there are going to be people who go, no, no, antibodies, antibodies. These counties have more antibodies in them. Therefore, they have fewer, um, you know, I, I, I think mechanistically that that's a very naive argument. I think that if we were to, you know, smooth this out overall and go to cumulative correlations instead of this weekly, what we're going to find uh, is that it's almost entirely flat. And I have done this. I did this uh, a few weeks ago. Actually, um, I saw a Merrill Nass article and I thought, you know what, I'm going to take that data chart and I'm going to go sort of like one level deeper, like cleaning up the data. And I found that that was exactly true. Um, and I can't remember which data set that it was. It's like SSA. I see or something like that. Yeah, I noticed that there's no chat on here. I'm live. Is there anything different going on today? Uh, I need to check here. I'm not seeing people um, speak, but I haven't because I had the slideshow. I haven't had um, Rumble open. So let me see if there are any questions right now. Do we have questions in the chat? Uh, howdy, Bill Gates is up to it again. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Microsoft stuff, but it was a pretty big pain today because I, I put I put a lot of this stuff together in a hurry, especially today, because I kind of took a week off of work. Well, anyhow, um, maybe we are not streaming to YouTube today. Yeah, is any, if anybody has any questions right now, uh, I, I you know there hasn't been uh, so shout out to the Rumble chat. So 
So there is a chat going on. We have 52 people watching in Rumble. Okay, so good. There are people watching. Uh, but I didn't see any kind of chat coming in from the YouTube side, which I usually do straight into StreamYard. So uh, apologies. But you know what? I'll, I'll take some questions now. If you guys want to ask any questions about what's going on with the data or how to better understand um, how to better understand conditional statistics or anything like that, um, I'll spend a little bit of time on that. I wish, I, I'd hope that Robert would come to the, I'm uh, sorry, Roger, would come to the table because I what I really wanted to do was have a conversation with him that wasn't like um, that I, I wanted to engineer it so that it wasn't embarrassing, right? Um, because I mean, like really and truly, this is something that the entire medical community should be horrifically embarrassed about, right? Iatrogenic um, death is first, second, or third, depending on who you ask, cause of death in the entire United States. It is, you know, it's clearly a six-digit number. Some people would argue seven-digit number of people in the U.S. that die each year because of medical mistakes. If you add public health, you know, um, you, know you might get a, a wider argument. But I think that it's, I think that it's larger. I think that doctors and their organizations are defensive about how large it is, and that literally they don't know what to do in these organizations. I think a lot of like, for the most part within the doctor's pool, they don't even know how controlled their information is. Cause like I said, the doctors take their, you know, statistical view of what's going on in medicine from the biostatisticians, right? And in this group, there's a small group of, of data people above them that I think them, I, th I think keep them intentionally brainwashed. I think that it's, it is, it's that straightforward. I think that they are taught to not dig any deeper uh, into their understanding of how to view data. And therefore they, they never wind up seeing, you know, vast mistakes or how to stop and say, Hey, you know, th these two things don't make any sense. So I'm going to go a little bit further back and see what's going on. Um, and again, you know, like I, I was trying to help out Thomas Rents and the DMED whistleblowers. And I spent weeks actually like tiptoeing over eggshells trying to trying to tell them all the way you're seeing this is not correct i need to talk with all of you and and walk you through what's going on with the data um but uh, there was what at some point i realized was a quite intentional uh effort for no two people to ever be in the same phone call or or you know um conversation with me so that you know that they could always be either plausible deniability or, or, um, you know, uh, an intentional lack of understanding or something. There was something, something going on there, but you know, Roger, Roger's the type of person where, where he has such a huge following, right? If he had come and had that conversation with me, if, if, if he would be willing to do something like walk through a handful of the exercises that I've given to students in the past, right? Where, where I've designed, like we've walked through a version of, the Monty Hall problem. And then we've walked through other problems that should be recognized as versions of the Monty Hall problem. And it's one of those things where, uh, especially professionals who have some sort of, um, you know, they've been moving like a freight train in their career. And so they're actually less likely than children to get the second problem correct after they've seen the first one, right? Almost no professionals ever get the second problem correct. They almost never map the details. And once they see that catastrophic failure, then they can begin to get ready with problems three, four, five, and actually, you know, clear, clear everything away and start to do the thinking from, you know, from, uh, you know, 
a more basic understanding of conditional statistics. To actually write out the equation, like that's step one, be willing to write out the equation for conditional statistics or to draw a Venn diagram, to draw a Venn diagram and see where, where things are, um, or to question your data definitions, right? Questioning data definitions, I, I it wouldn't shock me if 100,000 Americans die every year because, or die earlier than they needed to because of somebody not reading data definitions. <laughs> um, you know, doctors, I think, make uh, wrong recommendations all the time because they they don't know when that's going to be important. And it's it's difficult to put all of that on them, right? Like, it is it is not entirely doctors' faults. The medical schools, I think, intentionally mislead them in terms of their understanding of statistics. Um, and, and for, you know, the pharmaceutical industry depends on it in order to get their products out, sadly. But, you know, uh, if Dr. Schultz, I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, I know I've seen it on MedCram and I know I, I, you know, I see it, I look at it, I go, that's not the way that I read that the first time. Um, but uh, Dr. Schultz, if you're willing to come on, if you're willing to walk through a few problems, if you're willing to then take a second look at that data and we'll see what we can walk through and what we can find, I'd be happy to. But you're going to have to take that step. You're going to have to assume that I can't just type this out in an email, that if I do, you're more likely to think you understand it when you don't than you are likely to all of a sudden master conditional statistics beyond Society of Actuaries, beyond Ed Dowd looking at, uh, looking at data from the Society of Actuaries page. You know, you got to humble yourself to, to, you know, get down and walk through that door. Hey, thanks for the walkthrough and, inst and uh, instigation to keep learning. I'm not a social media user mostly. Any way to send you a non-public message question? Yes, but I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm at matthew.crawford at protonmail.com. But just so that everybody knows, between the holidays and the fact that I took a, an intentional week off um, over the last few days and, uh, and got this wonderful infusion of sleep, um, probably not completely caught up, but it's been great. Um, uh, you know, it, the odds that I see your email in the next few days are very, very low. You're probably better off emailing me like 17 days from now, <laughs> because right now it, it is a pile and I have to go through, I don't, I don't even know how many hundreds or thousands. And at some point I'll give up. I'll hope that anybody emailing me about something important, um, emails me again, or that anybody who knows me calls me on the phone. So that's where I am. Anyhow, uh, thanks for watching. Uh, this will be, I guess we'll, we'll cut the short. It's a shorter video today. I don't see any reason to go any further than this. I would have prepared more. I was actually going to prepare actual calculations for um, you know conditional stats, and maybe I'll do that on a different one of these episodes in the future. But that's when that's when Microsoft wigged out. Anybody else have that problem today? Did did anybody else's all their Microsoft products just stop working on them at, at eleven something in the morning? Um, let's see, this is actually, um, still going on. You can actually see it on my spreadsheet. The one that, the one that I brought up, let's look at this. Oops. Did that wrong. There we go. You actually see in the, in the upper right, you get this and I didn't notice it for like 20 minutes, which is awful, but it's actually going on on all of their products at the same time. I guess you have to log in. I don't know why it's still here because when I changed it, I fixed it on, um, 
I, it was in, it was the same spot right there. I fixed it here, but it's not showing up here. Maybe I need to close down every application, each one individually, then open them all back up. I think that that's probably going to be the case. Oops, I wasn't even showing that, was I? Yeah, up here it says, sorry, we can't get to your account, but you can see that I've gone to some products and logged back in, right? So like that, that's just, that's really bad. And I, I got no warning as far as I know. But then again, I hadn't sat on my computer in like three days. So, all right, everybody, um, thanks for joining me. And uh, I may do this on some Mondays. I, I, I still, I, actually, I feel like I need to talk about stats more. Uh, I like, I, I'm really, like, you know, talking to Steve Kirsch um, was infuriating uh, on a number of levels, but it also, you know, intentionally or otherwise, he's misleading a million people on levels of statistics on almost everything. Like when I go through and I think, you know, what is it that Steve and I agree, agree about on the statistics? It's almost everything. And like my last communication with him on almost every one of those topics is just dropped, right? Like if, if I'm not agreeing with him or providing smoking gun evidence that confirms his bias, he literally just doesn't communicate with me. And that's the way it's been for the last like eight or nine months, which is very, very troubling, right? Like that's, that's just as bad as what the other side does. And it makes me worry a lot. Um, so, but you know, it, it would take me all day and then some to correct his errors. It would take 10 of me to correct all the errors that I see from the people who are the major media sources um, and, and a lot of the more popular sub stacks. Uh, and it's very frustrating. And I, you know, I wish more of those people would actually like, you know, like talk to me, not just like, Hey, can you like, here's a 10 hour project where you can check all my work. Like that's, that's actually what I get all the time from a lot of these people. Whereas, whereas it's like, you know, once I, if, if I were to do that, I would get to some like base point where the entire project would have to be like unraveled. And it's, it, that's a little frustrating, but anyhow, Try to think of some way to do that better. Hopefully some of them will watch. If I do this, you know, and you guys can tell me um, if this works. Today's was actually, th this would be one of the harder ones. Like I said, conditional stats is, that's as hard as you can get in terms of knowing when you know it. It's kind of like fractions. People don't realize that fractions are the largest single hurdle all the way through a pretty solid level of graduate level mathematics. That's the thing that it takes people the most time to get comfortable with fractions right um but conditional stats is the thing where you have the greatest the greatest amount of dunning kruger and that doesn't have to be said in a mean way it just needs to be understood i have slightly better luck with apple's keynote pages and numbers yeah you know i mean microsoft's a stranglehold that's not the problem i'm going to solve today um, other days, uh, you know, I may bring up data and it may be a lot easier to talk to. It might be um, lessons that are, you know, level one, two, three, but I want to start doing this more often. I don't know if I'll do it on Mondays. Maybe I'll just, you know, maybe my Mondays will be like this. Maybe we'll move all podcasting to Tuesdays, whether it's one guest or several. I'll talk to Liam about that. And you guys can tell me too. You guys can tell me whether or not this was, um, you know, do, do you feel like it, whether or not you learned everything? There's no way that you did you know, the conditional stats chapter of an applied statistics textbook. That's the one where maybe the professor gives a, a week, three days of class. But in truth, that's the one that he should have given two weeks. <laughs> and there may be professors out there who stop and spend like an entire month on it. Because that that's literally how critical that one chapter is. 
has nothing to do with the length of the text. It has to do with going over a feedback loop of example, 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 and, and complex circumstances. Where did professionals go, go wrong? If you've, never, if you've never caught another professional, you should be looking for a professional to help you with this vaccine data, especially with something like the healthy user bias. It has been hidden for years. It has been hidden during this pandemic. It is one of the secrets that they don't want you thinking about or talking about because, you know, like I said, um, you know, if, if you've got data that has, well, if you've got data from vaccine safety data link showing that you have between entire groups of cohorts, 72% advantages, 72 up to 72% advantage for non COVID, that's where your bias shows, right? That's that's the bias. That is a 72% bias. And it may not be the same bias for COVID, but it is a 72% bias for all other all-cause mortality. And that's massive. You know, it may be greater for COVID. We don't know. We don't know because, because the authorities haven't bothered to measure that, Right. I can probably tease it out if I get everybody's data. In fact, I'm, I'm sure that I can, but it would require quite a surveillance effort. And I'm not even sure that's the, the best idea. Um, but just to know that it's there, just to know, yeah, just to know that it's there, it's it's undeniable. You, you can't get around that. Um, and if you've, if you've seen any, unless you've seen this corrected for, you haven't actually seen effectiveness data for these vaccines. And I have not seen one person other than myself make an attempt at correcting for it, which means no image, no chart, no data set, nothing. It's all meaningless, right? And that's all being hidden. And you have to start there. You have to start with the fact that you've been um, you know, fooled for a very, very long time. Got to figure that out. You've got to accept it uh, before you can move on. But some days we'll do more understandable, just straightforward data computations. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll all come down to conditional statistics over and over again. But maybe when you see 15 examples, um, you know, maybe more of it will make sense. Well, that's it for now. I'll play the outro and we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to have an excellent discussion with like the most amazing people who have like built their own VAERS dashboards and, and uh, you know, um, uh, uh, systems for looking at all the, the data that's coming out of VAERS. And we're going to have several of them. And, and they have uh, multiple different philosophies, which means that you have different looks at all of the data, right? Um, they try to see it that way, right? Like, um, yeah, two competing philosophies. If, if you can see all of it, the more information you have, uh, the wealthier you are. See you guys tomorrow.